Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 14th of January, 2021 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. It's two weeks into the new year, and already we're not speaking to one another. We had such high hopes for you, 2021. Thanks for crushing them so early. Ah, well, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Before we get to the podcast offering I have for you today, big warm hugs go out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. I know by now you could use some warm, so I hope you're finding ways of staying cozy in this chilly weather. Hugs go out to our overseas listeners as well, especially this week listeners in Zurich in Switzerland, Orlando in Florida and the USA, and Otaki in New Zealand. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. This week we have something a little bit different for you all. You may want to skip this if you're looking for a short story, as it's much longer than usual. This week we have a conversation that was recorded in late 2020 between four of our most experienced hosts from Hong Kong Stories. The recording has a buzz behind it. Apologies to start with for that. If we do more of these roundtable discussions, I will get better at the tech. This is a conversation between our core members about their experience in the group. The voices you will hear belong to Kristen, myself, Gina, and Sheridan. The conversation started with how we all found out about Hong Kong stories and how we got involved. So I first learned about Hong Kong stories. I went to a David Sedaris was giving a talk. Hong Kong stories brought him way deep Kowloon. And I'm not even sure how I found out about that. So I went and it was this huge packed auditorium of, it looked like everyone from Brooklyn who had been hiding around Hong Kong kind of (laughs) came in their plaid shirts to this packed auditorium. And at the end of it, my stomach hurt because I'd been laughing so hard for the whole hour. And on our seats, I think there were flyers about Hong Kong stories because it was part of storytelling week it was kind of a whole story worthy week so there was a week of shows so I went to a couple of shows and I thought this is like this is such an amazing event and group and um and I remember thinking these stories are amazing never in a million years would I get up there (laughs) and tell a story so I went to a few more shows and then I learned about the workshops I went to one workshop and I didn't say a word I was relieved when we ran out of time and it hadn't come to me because I didn't really have a story. I had kind of scraps of anecdote. Um, And Austin, who was one of the original storytellers, was the host. And he was so encouraging of everyone. Um, And then... that's why you ran out of time. That's exactly why we ran out of time because he spent so much time with everyone kind of crafting their non-existent stories into stories. And then... I guess maybe I was on the meetup website because that's how we post our shows and workshops right Mm -hmm. and so I saw the theme of a show um left behind and I immediately a story came to mind so I went to the pitch workshop where you pitch your stories and that's where I met Sherry who was also pitching her story for the first show and I really thought there was kind of a rigorous vetting process that it would be (laughs) you know we would come back and pitch our stories and that it would be like the Great British Bake Off, where someone would be eliminated each week or there was some criteria. But then suddenly it was like days before the show and it was clear we were all going to tell our stories. 
and it was really fun and it's and then it, I just sort of got the bug mm. and Sherry and that's when I met Gina because at the second pitch Sherry came back and Gina was there what was that show I don't remember now I remember the story I told what was the story you told it wasn't even a story it was a collection of anecdotes about being single in Hong Kong Oh, I remember that. And one. Sherry had a you gave yes. me a really good idea because there was Spinster. It was like a really there was a book I think called Spinster and it was, you know, kind of people reclaiming the word. Uh it was like left left alone, leave me alone, something like that was the theme. You told the was story. Do not disturb. Left yes. Do, do not, not disturb. disturb. I told yes. the story and do not disturb. Yes. yes. What was my story? About movie tickets. Oh, yes, in Geneva. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, right. I've never heard that story. It's a very old story. It was one of my first experiences. Not my best one, but yes, that happened. That's right. We were all in the same show. That's when I told my hilarious story. Yes, I remember that. It had two parts. I remember it had two parts. It was the part (laughs) now that you told in the November show. But then there was another part. Something happened afterwards. I just remember in my mind, I listened to your stories like, okay, so there are two parts to that story. Something happened after, like there was something years later, or there was, Maybe that was somebody who punched story. you. Oh, that was a different story in another show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was another story. <laughs> oh, I thought it was this part of the same story. No, that's when I was knocked unconscious by Yes, 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 yes. I thought it was part of all the same story. Okay, so blurry. It's part my of her Cam- my life in Cambodia the story. Cambodia yeah, yeah, experience, yes. All right. <laughs> you didn't you learn about Hong Kong stories through David Sedaris? Exactly too? the same way. Yes, I went to the show, so the flyer, <laughs> went to workshop, all the same stuff. But my first show was Sluts and Whores. <laughs> that was the <okay? laughs> <laughs> No, that was my first story. The okay. name of the show was uh, Good Guys and Bad Guys. Uh, heroes and villains, yeah, good guys and bad guys. Good guys mm-hmm. and bad guys. And so my story was more like a philosophical debate at work. Who are the good guys, oh. sluts or whores? So sluts do it for one. pleasure, whores <laughs> do it for money. So who is the good guy, who is the bad guy? This is what you talk about at work. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, that was my story about what we talk about at work, yes. Right, right. How about yourself, Sherry? Well, I think I learned about storytelling from you because... I wondered about that. I met you at another event. Yeah, Skeptics. Skeptics, <laughs> yes. And you said, hey, you should join this storytelling group. It's a really amazing group. We do these shows on the stage and come to our show and see what we do. That's why I still have you on my phone as Sherry from Skeptics. Uh, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> you still do? <laughs> yeah, so you recruited me to go to a show. I went to a show and I was I was hooked. And uh, I decided I had a mad crush on somebody who was involved in the storytelling group. And I thought, well, if I just joined the storytelling group, I can speak. It wasn't me. Was it? <laughs> I was just looking at you. Like, yeah, it wasn't me. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry to disappoint, but yeah, it wasn't me. But did you see a show and think, I want to do that? I want to get on stage and tell a story? I saw the show and I thought, ooh, look at that cute guy. Okay. <laughs> so your rational brain. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, it's surprising to me and anyone who knows me that I've been doing this for all these years because I am the least likely storyteller because I don't like public speaking. I'm not really a storyteller in everyday <laughs> conversation. Like and I don't, yeah, I don't really, but somehow it all comes together. And it's, it's really just so fun. Yeah. 
I remember the first time that you came to a workshop, and I think David was yes. running it. And he, the, the first time I heard you tell a story, and I was new to the group as well myself at that point in time. I mean, we're all new. The group was new. <laughs> and David had said, oh, her story is so good, but her delivery is very flat. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then I remember after the first show that you performed, he said, no, I'm revising that because I was totally wrong. The delivery was perfect. <laughs> well, someone, my delivery is flat and I tried to liven it up, but it just doesn't But you do work. it so perfectly. I mean, that's I one of the reverted to. I love about this group is that I have a certain view of how performance should be done. Um, and that comes from my own experience and my own tastes. And if you would have asked me, would I like Kristen's storytelling style, I would have said, oh, definitely not. That doesn't sound like something I would do. I love it. I think it's amazing. <laughs> well, it's not flat Everybody at all. Has it's, style. It's, what, it's what we call deadpan. So it depends. Assassin so, style. So dry <laughs> and so perfect. And you're up there. If you can imagine, anybody who hasn't seen Kristen perform in a live show, she's up there. She just looks so perfectly made up and composed and together. And she's telling the story about... <laughs> going running <laughs> and take your underpants off and throwing them in the trash because I'd fallen down because the elastic had gone out <laughs> and, I and she's just out there looking like the first that? lady of the USA <laughs> you know, and telling this fantastic story completely straight face <laughs> but that's the thing is because it's all of our personalities right so mm -hmm. it's the the actual story and the way we tell the story is each storyteller is different and when each storyteller comes up you have to adjust a little to how they start and then you get to know them like jen has said how we know so much deep, the deep stories, we know yes. so much deep stuff about each other but not From where people work or where they live or yeah. yeah that's that's one of the things i always talk about when i talk about storytelling is how we get to know each other in really really weird ways like uh, I, we know Tracy, uh, Tracy's husband eats apples in bed. <laughs> <laughs> After brushing his teeth. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm sure you, I've told you the story before about a friend of mine who's gone up. Tracy is another storyteller who's told several stories on our stage, but has moved away from Hong Kong since then. And a friend of mine who does not know her. <laughs> <laughs> came up to her after the literary festival show and said, Oh, Tracy, I loved your story. So good to see you again. And Tracy's just going, <laughs> What? <laughs> and then, Do I know you? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and my friend walked away and said, I just said hello to Tracy as though I knew her. And then I realized that we've never actually met. <laughs> I just well, your friend does know her. They just, just haven't just met. Just <laughs> Tracy doesn't, but the friend does. <laughs> But that's how it feels, right? You, you feel like you do get to know people in a very different way. And that's what's wonderful about it. So how did you get involved in Hong Kong Stories? I went, uh, I had a friend who was bugging me about joining Meetup. I don't know why. They thought I was socially inept. Um, <laughs> but they wanted me to join Meetup, and I kept resisting and resisting. And at the time, I lived in Tianhao. And we met at that Les Artistes Cafe mm. around the mm. corner. And so I said, fine, you know my usual sort of sulky sort of way. I, fine, I'll go. So I looked up literally the next one, and there was a Hong Kong Stories one happening around the corner in half an hour. So I went to that. And um, I think they'd been going for about six months by then. Mm. So what was had, the show? Oh, I can't remember. I don't or, even, or was it just a tell-any-story workshop? I think workshop? it was just a... It was a telling story workshop, but then I went to the workshop. I told a story. It was David and Tom... 
who yeah, were started the workshop, yes. and one other guy um, who I mentioned. Hmm? No, no. And um, and they said, "Great, how's Tuesday? Look for you <laughs> to tell in a show." <laughs> to tell in a show, which was I went. I think I went on a Sunday. <laughs> All right. It's like I. But that was, like, in the early, early days, it really was just, you can tell the story, what get up on stage. What year was that? What was that? It was 2000, oh, it might have been 2013. Because David said, David said Eris was 14. When, yeah, we joined in 2014. 2013. Yeah, 13. I think, and the first story I told was a story about meeting my husband. So. I remember the rerun of that story. Yeah. You told it. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yes. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, David said he and Tom, they kind of were the show, right? They yeah. told stories in every show. And we they, just kind of cast a wide net. Yeah. All the stories, all the, the first shows that I did, both of them told stories in. Yeah. Like definitely, uh, there's a lot of, <laughs> and what was the audience like then? Uh, it was, we were usually at the, was it the culture yeah. club? Yeah. And so it was quite small and intimate, and oftentimes there was more storytellers than audience. I mean, there was a few times, but... Well, probably, too, people were maybe just going to the bar for a drink. They weren't necessarily going for, for the, show. the show. Well, I think the Culture Club still does quite a lot of sort of ad, ad hoc shows like that oh, as well, okay. a bit more. Um, and because it's Peel Street, too, and there's quite a lot of uh, foot traffic, um, so people would just come in thinking... Most of the time, people thought it was a comedy show or something oh, right. like that. Um and yeah, there was there was a few incidences where people had sort of would just rock up on the night and say, "I'm going to tell a story," and, oh. and, and David would say, uh, "No, <laughs> <laughs> not tonight." Yeah, uh, and uh, there was a few people who didn't show up. You know, who were oh oh, that's even worse. Didn't show up. So oh my God. Um, there was a few disasters. I don't think I've had anyone like that in any of the shows. No, because we make it very. Very, there are much clearer rules now. Yeah, about, well, yeah. it's much more professional. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, we're selling mm-hmm. tickets, but the people that we attract are just people from Meetup, so it's very yeah. easy for someone to just not come, but it never happened. There's been no, a few but times where we've been worried, though. There's been times where I was worried that the person is not going to tell what we've been rehearsing. Yeah. Yes, I've yeah. had a few worries on that, and that has happened. Mm-hmm. But in terms of not show up at all, no. I think people are so committed by the time the yes, show comes so because we've had rehearsals and, yes. you know, at least a week leading up to it. That's true. Like, you wouldn't just waste it. Just No, because it is know. a lot of work on the storyteller's part to kind it of is, refine yeah. the story. Yeah. I like to think that uh, the storytellers get more out of it than the audience mm. does in a lot of ways. Yeah. What's amazing to me that people come and pay money to hear us talk about ourselves. Like, it's so <laughs> self-indulgent. There's a spotlight on us. The room is silent. The audience is so generous, right? So in the beginning, uh, when we first started doing shows, or when I first started doing shows, you know, you rehearse with the group. But by the end, we've all heard each other's stories. So when you get to the live show, I sort of forgot there would be audience reaction. And I was so focused on remembering the story that I kind of plowed through the laughter or the applause. And it takes some time to remember, oh, there are people out there who are listening Let and responding. Enjoy. Yeah, it's like a, a whole live thing. But yeah, it's it's crazy to me that they come to hear us talk about ourselves. 
and pay money it's to do crazy it. to me that we still get up there yeah. and talk about ourselves on a regular basis <laughs> well, you know? <laughs> I mean which one's worse that uh, other people pay money to listen to us or that we repeatedly get up there and tell stories no it's like tapping a not tapping a vein tapping something where you think oh this is I told that story oh my gosh that makes me think of this yeah. story or it makes me think of these scraps of information that aren't a story, but I'm going to put together and make it a story. Mm, yeah, definitely. I know when I'm when I'm searching for a story, I usually go to a tell me a story your workshop, a workshop um, and and listen to other people tell their stories. Oh yeah, that reminds me of oh yeah, and then that other thing, and I don't know. It, it's uh, but between the four of us, um, for the last, especially the past two years, uh, at least one of us has been in almost every show. At least two years, mm. maybe even three or four. Oh, between the four of us. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Well, between the four of us, how many stories do you think we've told in total? I think Rachel has the actual numbers. <laughs> <laughs> only since, since this we is, started recording. Oh, that's true. We only that's started right. recording yes. in 2016. This is beyond my math. But say we yeah. each did four a year, at least, times however many uh, years. Yeah. I can't do the math, but yeah. a lot. A lot of stories. Enough stories that uh, we've, we've got a full, like, you know, four-hour show ourselves, <laughs> <laughs> just the four of us. That's true. Uh, did, have you ever thought about, um, or would you ever have considered, uh, I know that circumstances are changing for everybody at the moment, but have you ever considered doing a one-person show like David did at one point? No. Stringing no. it all together, no? <laughs> just wondering. I'm just wondering. No, and someone else told a one-person story to Bernada before she moved. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a collection of all her stories, and it kind of went through her life in a way, right? So Mm -hmm. from kind of like funny single dating stories, some before Hong Kong, Hong Kong stories, and then adopting a son and moving. Like it kind of when you put all the stories together, you can see kind of an, an arc or the story of, your life or significant moments in your life and then smaller ones too. It's a fascinating process. I can't say that I'm really enthusiastic about doing a single show myself, no. but I like to watch other people do yeah. it. <laughs> so if you guys I want to do the, it. <laughs> the interesting part about Hong Kong stories is the variety of different mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Having one person, you'd have to pull in something really interesting. You'd have to have a following of your own enough people to be interested to hear just about you. The part about Hong Kong stories is a range of different people just average people telling their Mm -hmm. average stories if it's one person that takes away from being average then Mm -hmm. you're not that average if Mm -hmm. you are just one person for two hours hour and a half talking about yourself so that's a slightly different angle I would say. I feel like there are two. I would feel too much pressure. You, you have to be more interesting than yeah. you actually are. <laughs> it's a different concept. Yeah. What I enjoy is I come in, I'm an average person with an average desk job, and I talk about myself, and yes, people come listen, <laughs> and it removes pressure from me being special. If it's a one-person show, yeah. it would be pressure on me to feel like I'm special because people come and listen to just me right. and no one else. Yeah. I feel like there are kind of two categories of stories. One is the rare one, which is the amazing. Like, Sherry, a lot of your stories are this. Like, I was hit by a bus. I was punched in the face. But then I, most, most I, of... I, almost, I died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I came back from the dead. Um, but most of the stories are kind of the smaller stories. Mm-hmm. The, and it's... We can... So with the big stories, it's, oh my gosh, wow, that's you know, amazing. That's a whole story in itself. The smaller stories, people can relate to them because they are 
our specific circumstances differ, but everyone knows what it's like to break up with someone or right MTR <laughs> bathroom situation while you're traveling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I just went to the bathroom in my office building. Yes, <laughs> yes. Amazing story to me. <laughs> yes. Don't give that away because I haven't published that yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one might come out after that. I don't know. So, no, we, we should be safe. But um, but that is part of what makes storytelling so um, compelling, I think, is that the stories that we're telling are not necessarily uh, stories of I saved an entire bus full of people from, yeah. you know... A, alien abduction. Yeah, an alien abduction. <laughs> I'm like, what, what did I save a bus full of people from? I don't know. <laughs> From a, an alien abduction, but instead I was assaulted by a squirrel, which, you know, <laughs> Were you really assaulted, or was he just dropping well, I, nuts I, from I his tree? assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> was a very personal experience. I felt personally attacked <laughs> and targeted by the squirrel. If not, if not physically, then definitely verbally <laughs> and emotionally. That story has made me think, I want to... Do that Hadrian's Wall hike. Yeah, you totally should. It's yeah. so good. I told my sister about it already. We're making a plan. You well, it's a vague so plan. We're not really making a plan. You should get walkie-talkies. Because then you don't have to walk together. Oh. And you don't fight as much. Oh. But you still get to, like, talk to one another if you want to. And be kids again. But, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and plus you could, like, learn Morse code. <laughs> I don't know if they still have the Morse code button on the bottom of the talkie-talkies. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, well, anyways, getting off the topic here. <laughs> but, yeah, um, why did why did you come back to storytelling, Sherry? Because there was this really cute guy. <laughs> I was going to go back to the cute guy. Yeah. What happened to the cute guy? Why did he go? <laughs> oh, he's left. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. So why did you keep coming then after yeah. you left? You know, I feel that in the Hong Kong Stories group, there's a very strong sense of community. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a sense of people who really just enjoy helping each other be the best that they can be. And that's an exciting thing to be a part of. And I I, I think I've personally really grown being a part of that and and I've also felt I I was able to also help other people also grow in their Mm -hmm. abilities and ability to tell stories. I do like that part about Hong Kong stars. When we're putting together a show and then there is this month or whatever leading up to it and there's a group of nine people, eight storytellers and the person who is putting it all together, getting together and you are getting closer. Mm -hmm. You're like a group of friends. You're from all these different places. You otherwise would have never Mm -hmm. been in a situation together. But that creates like this tiny small community of uh, becoming friends and knowing more about each other. That's the part that I enjoy as well. Mm. Yeah, by the time you get to the show, it kind of feels like you've been through, like, basic training together. Yes, like, you're all kind of yes. bonded. And then because people do come back, you, you see them again. again. Yeah. And sometimes with us, because we're all hosts of both the shows and the workshops, um, sometimes, uh, and we're also storytellers, so sometimes if um, I meet somebody in a show where I'm the host... Then I'm directing them, and then the next show, I'm sitting there, and maybe they're telling another story, but say Gina's the host this time, and she goes completely different direction to their story development than I do, and I'm sitting there going, wow, that's fascinating, and I never would have thought of doing it that way, and I think that also keeps our storytelling quite fresh and, mm-hmm. and different, is that we have different hosts and different people running the show, because like I said, if I was running it all the time, I want everything to sound like this. Yeah. 
And it would be rubbish after yeah. shows. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be, but it would be just the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I've also appreciated is the kind of diversity that we have in the group. Like, some people come and they tell stories and you just go, wow, I never would have met this person or heard anything about their life mm-hmm. if they hadn't come to the group and told the story about something completely, totally different from my realm of reality. That's true. So what's a standout story for you from your experience in Hong Kong stories? You mean somebody else's story? That they somebody told? else's story. What's the story that's gone like, you've gone, oh my God. There was someone who came and told a story about being buried alive in an oh God. In a, in an ice. <laughs> A mound of snow and ice, and trying to tunnel his way out, and thinking he was going to die, and it would be an ice tomb. But buried alive because he built it himself and climbed in it to practice his survival skills. Exactly. (laughs) Not an accident. He left his hotel room. But I remember in the workshop. (laughs) And just stay warm. And I remember your feedback, like very cheerfully, like. Well, I would like to stay in the warm hotel room and watch TV, but okay. <laughs> yeah, to me, that was just astounding that somebody would go out to the hotel parking lot, build an ice mound, and climb inside it. Yeah. And he thought he might have to pee his way out, that that, that, that might melt the snow. That's very smart, actually. Yes. Yeah, to me, that was astonishing. Just like... How do you meet somebody like that? You just couldn't even plan it. Uh, he does have extraordinary stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every single oh, time he comes back. I've met through um, tell any story you like. She didn't tell the story in a show, but she came to any story you like. Um, she was Miss, not Miss America, but Miss one of the states, Kansas, 1973. <laughs> and was there a story about that? She told some random story, but the fact that she was Miss Ohio, Miss Kansas in 1973, and she looked like that. She looked like a beauty queen still, and I looked her up. She was from there. It was like I would have never met a Miss whatever state it was, 1970, whatever, but because of Hong Kong stories, I did. And she looked that way, and she talked that way, and I was kind of like... Struck like starstruck. <laughs> yes, like okay, yes. This woman is. It, we we meet somebody like you, Gina, and, and you, you just always look so perfect and so lovely. And so Gina is a very beautiful lady, <laughs> and, and she does lick the sauce off her chips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that happened, yes. So you know it can help as well to to take the starstruckness away a little bit. <laughs> I think that was and past tense, right? You don't do that still. Nah. Anymore, no. <laughs> no. To make you feel a little less intimidated by people who are very accomplished in their lives. But uh, you know what I still do? Um, for chocolate chip cookies, I take away chocolate chips from the cookie. So I just eat the cookie, but not the chocolate chip. So I, I would break it apart and take out and the chocolate them chips. Out? Yeah. And because you made another pact with God about that? <laughs> like, the, like the potato chips? No, I just don't like chocolate. I oh. like chocolate chip cookie but you were just eating chocolate i like chocolate on its own but but if it's inside the cookie it overpowers the cookie so i prefer the cookie but why don't you just not eat it because i like the dough that was cooked (laughs) wow i I feel the stories (laughs) (laughs) and there was one time i'm sorry i'm going off of it noticed that I never noticed that like I just oh. do it because it's like I do it and then no Austin 
Justin pointed it out in one of the workshops when I think Jen brought the cookies and I just broke it apart and just ate it oh, and yeah. like put the Jen chips to the side. <laughs> and so Austin made a note of that. And then we went out for lunch with Austin and I was uh, trying to lose weight and I was on no carb diet. And for whatever reason, we went to a place that only served sandwiches. So I ate the inside of the sandwiches and I was still hungry. So in the end, I took out the bread and I ate the inside of the sandwich. And then I was still hungry, so I ate the bread anyway. And then Austin was just having it. He's like, well, you ate it anyway, so why did you do that? So to answer your question, yes, I'm still weird. <laughs> well, you were perfectly behaved at dinner tonight. I did, yes. I was, uh, I was putting an effort. I noticed you didn't eat the noodles in the lasagna cup. Yes, I have an explanation. I was trying to be off carbs, but then the, that pie came and like, whatever. I'll just say yeah, it. You get a dispensation for any sort of Christmas meals. Yeah, I was going to say holidays. And everything is. Yeah, those are those are okay. You're allowed. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I was trying to be off carbs, but that kind of didn't work out with the pie. Couldn't and help it. After what was the first story you told, Gina? Sluts and whores. Sluts and whores. Nice. Yes. <laughs> nice. About a and philosophical conversation. Of, of all of us, your stories are by far the largest range <laughs> of stories. Everything from, you know, the shakedown on the street <laughs> by the Russian police. That's right. Yes. To the uh, neo-Nazi wearing socks. <laughs> to the pink sweater with the glitter. To the pink yes. sweater with yeah. the rainbow. All right? the way over to the, the, the nanny and then the chips. Yes. Yeah. And, and just recently, a rather unfortunate accident. <laughs> yes. So what, what makes you keep coming back? Everything we just talked about. All of it. The yeah. sense of the community, the sense of uh, being full of myself and wanting <laughs> to talk about myself in front of people who paid money to hear about me. Is there, there's, there's a little tiny element of that, isn't there? I mean, I know there is for me. Is that... Um, no one else will give me a platform. <laughs> or, they've, or they've heard our stories. We need a new audience. <laughs> what I also like about Hong Kong is that amateurs like us, amateurs in a sense that we don't have professional training and performance, can have a platform and yeah. tell a story in front of ticket-paying audience. You go to any other place in the world, I, I don't think you can get that. Like, you have to be at least semi-professional in some kind of way. But didn't you tell a story at the Moth in London? I did, yes. The Moth is different, yes. Um, I did tell my taxi story, and it landed flat. Oh, was, that, right? was that a pull-your-name-out-of-the-hat yes. at a pub? Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no, it was a, it a, was a serious up. production. It was a big oh. setup. It was um, yes, serious, a big place with lots of people and lights and all that. But the story landed flat. I was surprised. Really? Yeah. Like, what, what stories... I told I went twice. So the one the taxi landed flat. The one with the nanny, um, mm. the Bible one, that went better. Right. Um, what kind of stories didn't land flat from other people? I have to say they were not good stories. <laughs> but it's different too because they don't do the whole rehearsal. I mean, that's. I that's think just the a... difference was that every other story. Even though I thought they were not good, they were fresh. They were not rehearsed. Mm. I felt my story was rehearsed. Right. It was a different style. Right. Oh, and I they couldn't didn't know make what to it unrehearsed. Right. Right. Um, so it was different. The one with the Bible, because I've told it so many times, I could 
pretended to be unrehearsed. Right. Like right. I over-rehearsed right. it to the point that I could pretend that it's not. <laughs> yes. If that makes any sense. Yes, it does, it does make sense. It does make sense. That's the thing, too. The audience can really vary. Like some shows, it just kind of seems like a tougher audience where they don't laugh or don't react. And then some of them, I think, being really generous like you're laughing at I think too sometimes it takes them between if there's a funny story when the next person comes they're kind of primed to laugh so they mm-hmm. laugh in the beginning and then they realize this is a serious story what I've noticed when you tell it for the first time there is more laughter when you do let's say top notch and you tell your story again maybe for me if I remember at what point of time people laughed and I kind of expect that laughter mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen it's like, okay, that just did not happen. I think, too, though, when we do... So we do regular shows that are monthly shows, usually, in a usual year. Um, regular monthly shows. And those ones um, are, are, you know, a lot of people... And then a lot of uh, people from general public that come up and tell their stories. And then we have Top Notch, which is bringing back our favorite stories from the, from the previous year. And... Um, when we do the top notch, it tends to be sold in a different way and to a slightly different audience. It's often tied to the week that we do the literary festival mm. as well and things like that. So we do get a bit of a different audience. And the top notch shows tend to be audience that have never been to shows before. Mm. Whereas our regular shows, we have about 50% of the audience's repeat mm. audience. So I think, too, they don't really know what to expect. Mm. Possible. Um, on that too so it's so to, to your point Chris and I one of the challenging things I found is because as you know I often tell stories that are kind of you know sort of serious intense. and gripping and intense right and I'll sometimes follow someone who's just told the funny story and ended on a really funny note and when I go out and start to say something that's really actually quite uh, serious people suddenly start laughing and mm. I'm completely taken aback that I'm like, <laughs> like that that's not funny. funny yeah <laughs> laughing and it sort of throws me off a little bit mm. like, though i have to say you uh i think you might have had the only heckler that we had in in my memory it really what happened i don't remember well, well you were telling the story about being in northern china mm. and having make pizza yeah and what and happened there was i think very, i heard that story and what happened there was a very drunk australian lady who when she said and pineapple does not belong in pizza went i don't know said something I can't remember what she said exactly, and you just rolled right along with yeah. it. It was like totally whatever. <laughs> I got heckled once by Steve. You did you? Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Like, um, yeah, with my tank story. Uh, <laughs> at some point, there was like a natural pause until the next line, and he just yelled something <laughs> during that pause. Yeah, I'm never inviting him again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he often takes our photographs, so. <laughs> There was, you had, one of your friends came drunk and kind of heckled someone telling a story. I forget what it was, but he, he rolled with it. Um, I don't remember what the story was, but your friend was funny and just kind of shouted from the audience and he kind of shouted back <laughs> and then got on with the story. But that is rare. Yeah, <laughs> very rare. And I mean, was the well, same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been, actually. Yes. And, um. When we're talking about heckling, like, it's yeah. basically somebody says something. Yes, yes. Because we don't really have, No. We're not comedy. And people do come into our show sometimes expecting it to be stand-up comedy. Oh. And, and, and you know, are kind of, like, taken aback when it isn't. But it, very rarely are they disappointed. Right. I think. Um, I've heard very few negative feedback from, from people over the years. Well, that's the anyway. thing. 
after the show, people are often, mm. I mean, people are so nice. Often there are people who say, I didn't, or even when you're sitting in the audience, you can hear them like, I've never been to a show. I didn't know what to expect. Or at intermission, they say, oh, this is so good. <laughs> like, I wonder what's going to happen have in the next you, half. Have you ever had somebody come up to you after a show and say, that happened to me or anything like that? I have people, uh, what you were saying before about Tracy, when somebody went up to her and like, thought that they knew her. It's happened to me before. People come up to me after a show and be like, oh, I heard your last story about such and such. And like, they, they're super friendly. Yeah. Like, they're I've like, had that. Yeah. I've, yeah. Last show, like, I've yeah. never met you before. <laughs> I'm glad you like my stories. <laughs> my one moment of fame as I was walking, I remember I was in front of Sift in one time <laughs> and this woman stopped me on the street and said, I know you. And I said, okay. <laughs> and don't know if I know you. She goes, yes, I know you. I know you. Where do I know you from? Oh, you do that storytelling. And you told this. And then she recounted the entire story oh, to wow. me. And I was just like, yeah, I'm so famous. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, that never happened to me. <laughs> no, what do you mean? Never. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't making it up. <laughs> That's actually happened to me, too. Not recounting the whole story, but people are like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, I really? Because we, I don't think we've met. And they're like, oh, 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 it's from, you're from the stories. <laughs> it's the way it goes, you know. Fame. Fame just follows me around. You ask us where we come back? Well, that's what we come back for, yeah. I was just um, cleaning up my apartment and I found a poster of myself back in the, from years ago, right? We used to make posters and yeah, still do. put them around town. Oh, okay. I don't, we don't put them around town as much anymore. Okay. They're mostly digital online stuff oh, like okay. that. But yeah, I use no, this, all the promotional material. This for... was an actual, and I remember I was walking home from a show once that I had hosted and I rarely do this, but I did, ha- I think I was trying to conserve space in my bag. I had on my work dress and my running shoes and, um, I heard, Somehow I kind of paused on my way up the escalator and turned around and saw it was a friend of mine with one of her friends. And so we were saying hi, and she introduced me to her friend. And the friend, they had seen me from the back. And the friend said, oh, I could tell you were an American because you were wearing your running shoes. And I had the poster of myself. Like, it was all weird and mad. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not really famous. That's just being dressed inappropriately (laughs) with the poster of myself. So... Now that you've been storytelling for so long, uh, and you clearly all enjoy it, I'm assuming, um, do you look at incidences in your life and go, oh, I'm going to have to tell a story about this one day? <laughs> like, do you, do you find yourself almost writing stories in your head as well things are happening, or, or jotting down a couple of circumstances, or is that something you ever think about? I do dig in my memory trying to think of a story, but as I'm going through things, to say, oh, I'll save that for a story, I can't say that I do. I find that, you know, we'll be out doing something and, and something will happen, and I'll say to Kristen, oh, that's a story. You should tell a story about that. <laughs> or sometimes pieces, like you have something similar has happened, and you've been able to, and then the last thing happened and you were, you knew you were going to tell a story about these things. And then there was like a last development. You were like, that's it. It's a story now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've run out of stories. 
Yeah, you said that before, but I... You I, said I, that I often. Yeah. <laughs> there are always stories. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this... Yeah, ever since real. your first story, you've been saying you have come with stories. No, from the beginning, because yeah, yeah. I feel like it kind of pulled a thread on a sweater, and it out it comes. And then it's been a little dry. Always mm. a story. But I feel like that's the David Sedaris way, that he always has this note. Because that's the beauty of him. He takes kind of nothing and turns it into a story. Mm. So he's always looking for things. So I think probably, like, true storytellers, that's what they do. Well, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you are a true storyteller. <laughs> well, you know, like, people who, who don't feel like they run out of stories or, you know, people who do it their whole life. One of the things, too, to kind of go back to what we were talking earlier, one of the things I like about it so much, too, is, like, it's very different from our everyday jobs or from my everyday mm. job, at least. You know, it's such a, a very different outlet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely different, uh, a different outlet and different different way of looking at things and a different way of, of presenting yeah. to the world. Do you have any stories, um, like, since you've been hosting and things like that, have you had any stories that have got away, that have never been told, that you wished were told, either from other people or ones that you've never managed to tell yourself for? Yeah, well, we at the start of last year, we had an idea for a show, because Sherry and I <laughs> That's had a... That's true, yes like a tandem story. We both, we went on a trip and we both have sort of a different experience of, we had the same experience, but a different view of it. <laughs> <That is not enough>. <laughs> <laughs> My view is the right view. <laughs> um, and you haven't managed to tell that one just yet. No, cause this year really yeah. threw things for a loop. Things a little bit sideways. Didn't yeah. Okay. Do you have one? Or two or three or five few <laughs> stories, not of my own, but there's been a few stories that people have told that I've gone, oh, I really wish. Um, though one of the storytellers has recently come back and he's finally told his first story at, at, at my show, the last one. Uh, and so I'm hoping that that story will be dug out again. But, you know, you had a tell any story you like mm. workshop and you get that one person who comes along with that story that's just... You just left the jaw on the table, and you're just going, oh, my God. And then they're never seen from again. Mm, there was one lady that as happened. well who I know is still in Hong Kong, and I met her a couple of years ago um, again. And she was there in one of the early, early, early shows, and she told her story in rhyming couplets. What? Like an <laughs> epic poem that she told. She kept forgetting it, and she kept dropping her papers. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of a, um, in some ways, a bit of a, a mess in that way. But it, like I said, it was early on when we didn't do all the rehearsals and things like that. And she told this, it was just beautifully done in these, this long, epic, rhyming poem. Huh. And I'm, I'm kind of waiting for somebody to come along and do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had that kind of talent, I'd be able to do it myself. But That's I, crazy. It was really neat. It was like a... Did she prepare it for the workshop or she had it for something else in his... I only heard her do the performance because I don't think we really did that many workshops. And not oh, I see. Oh, she actually told it in the show, not in a workshop. Show, yeah, oh, okay. Early, early on, and um, and she had it written down, and and David was there and kept sort of frowning at her. She wasn't <laughs> supposed to use notes and that kind of stuff, but then she kept dropping things and forgetting. Um, but it was it was a it was a story about if I remember correctly about her. She had a. Had a Brief fling with a pilot. Oh, I like know that. that. That was the show I told my first story. It was, uh, it it was, was good guys and bad guys. Yes, she was either before or after me. I remember her. It was yes. such a great 
I saw her at a show recently. Yeah, she came to one recently, yes, and I was yes, like, yes. I know you. You're the lady who did the poetry. <laughs> yes. Come back. And, and she, she never like, came since the that show. No, no, not that I know of. Not I remember, of. yes. But uh, but I'll be uh, I'll be chasing her down. Yeah. I, I, I keep hoping that somebody will come along and say, what if I do this in verse? <laughs> yes, you should do that. <laughs> but so far. Well, we had a bout of singing for a while. On the oh, stage. yeah. People kept singing in their, in their stories. I had a few storytellers than that, yeah. 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 But then there was your, it was your excellent story, right, where X from the background shouted mm-hmm. his, his voice from the back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that reminds me. We were talking before about the diversity of people that you would just never get to meet, and the kind of unusual stories that they bring. And another one that I'll just never forget was the, the person who told the story about his puppy and how he was so. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! And seeing when he told this story, because you could see people at the table realizing what was happening at different times. Because yes. it, it was very late in the story that you realize that they cooked. His oh bed. my god, I forgot about that. Oh god, I remember <laughs> that. Oh yes. Now, how would you ever come across that in your real life? Like, if, if we didn't have storytelling to bring that. And then Grace, the dog's name was Grace. Grace. Yes, oh yes, Gracie. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> It's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> this is segue, but when we were talking about people recognizing us, there's a woman that I have seen. She told that that first story worthy week. There was like a hundred stories and hundred minutes or something. It was mm-hmm. it was an unusual format where people lined up and told really short stories. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was something else. But there's a woman who told a story about how she spent the night of the handover. And every once in a while, I see her around town, and I don't know her, I haven't met her, but I think, I know what you did the night of the handover. Because <laughs> it was like a weird story about being tied up with someone all night. Oh my. Yeah. Well, I, I've had friends that I've known for a really long time come to the shows, and they know me in a certain capacity, mm-hmm. kind of professionally, and just really kind of calm and cool on the surface, or whatever they think of me, I don't really know, but after seeing one of my stories have come away and been like, oh my God, I had no idea that that's who you are. Like, <laughs> that happened for years. <laughs> They're shocked, you know. Well, it is. You do get to know people in a very different way, right? It's, it's, uh, it's very strange circumstances in a lot of ways. For me, the story, Sherry, of yours that uh, always... You know, you've got all these stories that are very deep and very measured and very, uh, you know, important. But the one that really sticks <laughs> in my mind is the shortest one you've ever told, which is the one where you find the oh. lollipop, the oh. sucker in your drawer and put it in your mouth. It's got ants in it. <laughs> <laughs> I open my mouth, the ants are all crawling oh. out of my mouth across my cheek. Like, I just, sometimes I love being in an audience or being um, at a show when you've heard the stories and you yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like when, when, he, when Dennis was talking about his dog uh, and when Sherry's talking about this, these ants inside of this candy and you know, what's going to happen. So you're there watching the audience <laughs> and you're like, this way, this way, this way. And there it is. And you can see everybody going, Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't there someone on the recording of it saying, 
Yeah. That's so gross. Oh my god, that's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see those chupa chupa pops, is that what they're called? Yes. I think of you and I think I, I'm not going to buy one of those. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> well, interesting too, because the last story you told also involved ants crawling across your face. Oh, that's, that's like true. A, a theme. I was going to say, <laughs> Sherry is very clean, but. <laughs> <laughs> these days well um i really appreciate you all uh coming and talking to us tonight and hope it, i'm really glad that we could have this conversation and that i could learn a little bit more about you <laughs> and how you came to storytelling and what it means to you and i think uh, if it's okay with you guys unless you have something else you want to share then we'll wrap it up and say thanks very much for joining so there you have it, folks. It's an inside look into the lives of your regular story hosts. If you'd like to get involved in our community and learn how to tell your best story, get in touch through the website, hongkongstories.com. Thanks for listening and coming along on this journey with us. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>